the other day, I started in on prosperity theory, if any of you are here. In fact, I actually called it prosperity theory, the house built on sand. Now, I'm not going to whip that dead horse. I'm not going to do it. I bring it up for a reason, though. We're going to talk about Paul. And if anybody, anybody had the right to be healthy, wealthy, whole, it was Paul. We're going to talk about Paul this morning. Why? Because Paul, in this right here, was in bondage. But Paul was not in bondage to the chains. Paul, or, excuse me, Paul was not in bondage because of the chains he was wearing. Paul was in bondage to Jesus Christ in the furtherance of the gospel. That's what Paul was in bondage to. That's what we need to be in bondage to. Paul was a man trained in religion. He was Jewish. He was a Roman citizen. He was a ruler, a leader among the people. A man that by all accounts was the most influential missionary to ever have traveled the earth. A man who counted furthering the gospel, a man who counted furthering the gospel as prosperity. Important that. Who counted his chains he wore as glory. And who counted martyrdom as the pinnacle of his service, as a testimony and as an example. Yet, not just to fellow believers, but to the whole known world at that time. From the palace to the prisons, he showed a testimony and a loving, faithful Savior to all, any who would listen and hear, any who would look and see. He also did it when there was a serious danger in a journey. Not as instantaneous as it is today. It took them a day to reach 10 to 15 miles. It takes us minutes. No radio, internet, newspaper, telephone, telegram, TV, Facebook, or 24-7 news channel. He did when you had to walk where you wanted to go. When there was no air conditioning, no electric heat, no electric lights. When it got dark, you had a candle or you were done. He did it at a time when a toothache, a toothache could kill you. Pneumonia in those days was a death sentence. Even the flu that we get monthly shots or yearly shots for was a deadly illness. A time when if your ship sunk at sea, no one knew or cared. In fact, they didn't even hear of it for months a year, sometimes, they just left, they were left wondering what happened to you. That's when Paul served. Not today when we can get in our air-conditioned cars, drive for 10 hours and be halfway across the country. No. He walked for 10 hours and got just about 15 miles. The Apostle Paul served at a time when going to church was a death sentence. The pews were not comfortable. There was no carpeting or indoor plumbing for the Apostle Paul. At a time when you truly had to suffer for Christ, not just look like you're suffering by being in church. That's the important thing. Paul was suffering. We just go into church like, oh, I'm here. Oh, it's such trouble. No. Paul actually suffered for the gospel. We suffer because we are ashamed of the gospel. It's amazing to me. All right, so let's start at Philippians 1.12. Philippians 1.12.
But I would ye should understand, brethren, that the things which happened unto me have fallen out rather unto the furtherance of the gospel, so that my bonds in Christ, not chains, his bonds in Christ are manifest in all the palace and in all other places. Herein lies a marvelous thing. That was the title a few weeks ago, if you remember. Paul, the apostle of Jesus Christ, is talking of the bonds he is in. For truly he is in duress. He is a captive prisoner held by the Roman government, and he is going to see Caesar. Paul, in his writings, wants us to understand, though, what is really happening. He may be in bonds put there by the Roman government, but make no mistake, Paul is going to see Caesar because Paul is in bondage to Jesus Christ. That's the bondage he is in. That's what's happening here. The government didn't pull him before Caesar. No. Paul is going to before Caesar and certain death because he is in bondage to Jesus, not to the government, not to the world, <laughs> not because of the change. Everything that has happened to Paul has been to the furtherance of the gospel. The furtherance of the gospel. That is what Paul is suffering for. That is what Paul is about to give his life to. All these things that are being done to him so that his bonds in Christ might be made manifest in all the palace, in all the land. Paul is in jail. Paul will be on trial. Paul is in prison for the furtherance of the gospel. But not just for the gospel and his personal testimony. Paul's trials are having a side effect, and he tells us about that in Philippians 1.14. The side effect is this. And many of the brethren in the Lord, waxing confident by my bonds are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Paul is in bonds. He's setting an example. He's showing he's about to die for Christ, and these others are standing up, and they're going, I'm going to follow that example. Paul is giving them strength. Many of the brethren are waxing confidence because of his bonds. They are not confident in the trials and fears they have. They are confident because of the example he is laying out before them. Paul led most of these people to Jesus. Paul preached and most of them came to Jesus under Paul. They know him intimately and he is leading by example by going to Caesar and suffering faithfully for the furtherance of the gospel. And they're taking this example to heart. The Apostle Paul is being a testimony through his perseverance in the face of all these trials and troubles. The Apostle Paul is helping the cause of Christ by carrying the gospel to the throne of Caesar, and he is doing it by carrying his trials and his troubles with dignity. He's not whining. He's not capitulating. He's not, woe is me. He's carrying the cross of Christ on his back with dignity all the way to Caesar. Paul is using his present circumstance to talk to so many. That's us. So many years later. Paul is not just speaking to those in his day. He is speaking to the church in perpetuity. 
That means from the moment he's doing it throughout the ages until the rapture, he is speaking to them of his example, his testimony, his perseverance, his suffering, all for the furtherance of the gospel, which is what we are to be doing. But not everybody's positive with the example. Even in bondage, Paul has his detractors. They're glad Paul is in prison, yet I want you to carry the rest of the story. Philippians 1.15 Some indeed preach Christ even of envy and strife, and some also of goodwill. The one preached Christ, preach Christ out of contention, not sincerely, supposing to add affliction to my bonds, but the other of love, knowing that I am set for the defense of the gospel. Do you get that? A fascinating things happening here. <laughs> Paul says, some are preaching more fervently because he is in bonds. A few for sincerity that he is in there, but another few to become greater than he. So they were standing here, they're preaching, but because Paul's no longer now there, now they can have a greater voice. They're doing it, maybe not for quite the right reason, but they are preaching the gospel. And what does Paul say about that? He says, how can a, a brother who is more worried about their image, a follower of one, worried how another preacher is hurt, or another preaching is hurting their preacher or pastor? What they're doing, and I, I just confused everybody here because I jumped and I missed. What he's saying is there are some who are preaching out of contention and strife, meaning they want to be greater than Paul because they think they're better than him. They're, they're preaching, their oratory, their, their, their message, doesn't matter. The gospel is what matters. How can anybody be upset when the gospel is being preached because it's not them that's getting the results? No. If somebody out there is preaching the gospel, they're getting results, you're not. You stand up and praise them. Not them, the gospel they're preaching and the results God is giving them. You stand up and you do not detract against their ministry. That's what people were doing to Paul. They were detracting against his ministry. Paul... Paul, even, even in bonds, with people standing up saying, oh, I'm going to be better than him now that he's in jail. I'm going to preach more. I'm going to preach better. I'm going to get more fathers. Paul doesn't care. They're preaching the gospel, whether out of contention, strife, envy, or goodwill. Paul cares that the spread of the gospel is happening. That's what matters to Paul. We have become too closed off. We have no fellowship with other ministries for, feel, for fear it will be found that we are too insecure. If you have a ministry and somebody down the road is preaching the pure, unadulterated gospel, you are not in competition. It's not competition. You're supposed to be working together for the furtherance of the gospel. And that's what Paul's saying. It's not competition. If you're preaching a contention with him, that's not... No, the furtherance of the gospel is what matters. Paul's about to die for the furtherance of the gospel, and other people are now, because Paul's in bonds, speaking more fervently. What, what's the old saying? Negative marketing is still marketing. Spread the gospel, regardless. Many times we fear we'll be found out that we are not what we think we are. And so we're worried and we have to detract from those who are doing a, a work. We feel that if we don't tear them down to lift ourselves up, nobody else will. That's not the way it is. The gospel, preaching the gospel 
is all that matters. We believe that if others can get out there and preach and do a better job than us, they're going to steal our congregation. Then maybe we need to be better at what we do, huh? Let it never be said that we find joy in another's suffering. Only in their success. If a minister who's preaching the gospel takes a fall, don't you find joy in that. You go pick him up, dust him off, lift him up as a brother in Christ. Any advancement of the gospel blesses us all, furthers us all. How can we possibly be a detractor of one preaching the gospel? How? Do they not preach the same way? Okay. They don't have the same style? All right. Are they hell? Are they uh, hellfire and brimstone while you were a polished order? <laughs> okay. A difference in style means nothing. A difference in doctrine, that's where you draw the line. Yet even in Paul's day when the gospel was new and pure, they were facing the exact same problems we have 2,000 years later. I do find some small comfort in that. Men were as petty and self-absorbed then as they are now. It's very comforting when you think about it. Sad, but comforting. Now, not all, not all were preaching out of pettiness and strife because Paul was in his bonds. Some were honestly seeing his example, his trials, and were fortified and strengthened by his example. Some were no longer cowering in the corner but openly praising and preaching all because Paul, a mighty man of God, stayed faithful and true. Sometime ago, I wrote of who you would uh, of who you would see. Not do what you think is right. Not do what they think is right. They they fail to make a stand. And how it would affect you how it would affect the others watching them. What would happen if a trial came along, something going on, and it's wrong, but you don't stand? What would happen if when that trial came along, you didn't stand, and all these people watching you saw you not stand, but you sat down, and you let that go on by. The people watching you are going to know you thought it was right. Even if you didn't, when you don't make a stand, people think you're condoning that action. If you remain seated rather than fight, who else will remain seated rather than fighting? Who, if they saw you not taking up a position in the battle, who else would sit out because you sat it out? Paul, a mighty man of God, stood faithful and true in his trials and troubles so that other people would stand up, take up the cause of Christ, take up the cross of Christ, and carry it on. How many people, if you fail to do that, would fail to do that as well? That's a stumbling block. If you, if you know what to do is right and you do not to you, it is sin. Paul did what was right. The apostle Paul stood and because of the stand he took, others stood and preached. Others stood for Christ, not just to the Christians. They didn't just stand to the Christians. They stood to the world and preached Christ. Paul's testimony, not just in his writings, not just in his preaching, but in his death, his testimony led to so many conversions to a changed world. He followed Christ all the way to the grave, and it was a testimony that stands throughout the ages. 
Philippians 1.17, but the other of love, knowing that I am set for the defense of the gospel. Paul is set in his path. He is set in his vision. He is set on the purpose God gave him, which is to take the, the gospel before Festus, before Herod, before Agrippa, before Caesar. I may have said a couple names the same, but you get what I'm saying. Paul's defending the gospel. He's defending those who are preaching the gospel longer and more earnestly for the furtherance of the gospel. Paul is literally a man with a one-track mind. Christ and his gospel is all that mattered to Paul. His testimony, his dignity in trials, his perseverance in the face of persecution is what caused others to rise up and stand. What then? Notwithstanding every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is preached. Let's read that again. Notwithstanding every way, every way that Christ is preached, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is preached. And I therein do rejoice, yea, and will rejoice. Paul is rejoicing in that Christ is preached. That's all he cares about. A man wholly committed to the gospel. A man wholly committed to setting a testimony before God, before the king, and before man. He even said those preaching the gospel to spite him, the ones who only cared that he is in chains and out of their way, were still preaching the gospel, even them, Paul thanks God for. How many more do we need like that? Paul had his detractors. He didn't care. He had those that called him mean, harsh, and hateful. Paul met Jesus on the road to Damascus, and he never, ever set his foot on any other path but the one God set before him, despite what people said about him. He was more worried about him than them. He cares not why the gospel is proclaimed, whether they're doing it to get a greater voice than him or they're doing it because they're going to be like him and follow his example. He doesn't care. He only cares that the truth, the gospel, the way, the truth, and the life is Jesus is proclaimed. That's all he cares about. John 14, 6. That's all Paul cares about. Paul is a man of God. The last man to meet Jesus physically in person. To learn straight from the Word. Jesus is the Word. Paul didn't have this. He had the Word. <laughs> Sometimes I'd like to Jesus come down and teach me personally, but yeah, he's a little busy, so I'll take his word for it. He is the missionary to the Gentiles, and he preaches Christ and him crucified. He preaches Christ and Christ crucified. That's what Paul preaches. He preaches a pure, unadulterated gospel. He rejoices that the word of God, Jesus, is preached. That his trials and troubles are being used for the furtherance of the gospel. Paul cared only, always, for the things of God. Paul rejoiced in his bondage. But again, not the chains that the worldly government had him in. Paul is rejoicing in his service to Christ, no matter where it takes him, no matter what it costs him, <clears throat> he is rejoicing in his bondage to Christ. 
Those chains may be carrying him to Caesar, but the gospel is carrying him to Caesar as well. And that's what Paul cares about. Do we also glory in persecution? Do we also glory in the pain and the troubles? Are we a steadfast witness in times of trouble and trial? Do we use every situation and trial as a chance to preach and teach the gospel? <clears throat> and I'm not talking about just in words. It's easy to stand up and say, oh, God loves me. But do you live a life that is a testimony like Paul did? Do you live a life that is solely about the furtherance of the gospel? Can people look at you, follow your example, and spread the gospel just through your testimony, your life work, your life walk? Paul, he was quite the man. He was quite the testimony. He gloried in the gospel. He gloried in men preaching boldly, learning from him, gaining strength from his example. How many Pauls we could use today? Are they learning from your testimony? Are they learning from your example? Not just in the high like us a week ago, but to the low like we are in today. Are we being an example like Paul was? People seeing the gospel and everything we do in all of our trials and troubles? Today we really could use Paul's. We need people who are willing to carry the gospel all the way to the grave if necessary. All the way to Caesar, even though it means certain doom. We need people who are going to carry the gospel despite what it costs them. 